Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome everybody to the Wookie Rookie podcast episode eight. We managed to get together to record something about Rogue One before the next Star Wars movie comes out. <laughs> Yay. Amazing. This is how I approach podcasts. I really need like the next episode of a thing to be showing up before I really, <laughs> really go for it. So, so you're really glad you're not podcasting about American TV shows then, so you get like proper gaps in between. Mm, precisely. Is that what you're saying? Although they sometimes go on hiatus in the middle, so you can have a nice little holiday. Yes, yes, but that's not very long usually. <clears throat> so it's been... Well, almost a year since Rogue One came out. And I think the enthusiasm to record it was kind of limited. Negative of the scale, I would say. I think your question was a bit like, do we have to or something? <laughs> it was more the watching of it again than the recording of the podcast. Uh, yeah, I think we all had that problem. In the, I, I remember that I enjoyed the film the first time. Just trying to make myself watch it again for some reason, <laughs> I just didn't want to. Even though, yeah. like, I I bought it. I bought it first day it was out, and even before it came out, it hit sort of a torrent site. So I'm like, yes, having that, and I didn't watch that. <laughs> <laughs> What's the point in doing anything illegal? And like, yeah, well, exactly. My from... and my very I've had various friends who were very interested in seeing it and missed it at the cinema. And I'm like, well, I've got the Blu-ray. He'll come around and we can watch it. And I've been there with it. I lent it to them. They didn't watch it. <laughs> Which oh, might... yes, I remember because the longest time it took us to arrange something because you said you still needed to get your DVD back to re-watch it. Yeah. And that took a couple of months. Well, no, but I could have watched the torrent that I've got, which I have still got. Yeah, yes, fair enough. I didn't want to suggest anything of the like. And this might lead you to suggest that it might lead you to think that I don't like Rogue One, but that would be wrong. I really do. <laughs> now, I don't know how anyone would have gotten that impression, Chris. <laughs> so you seem to be the most enthusiastic about it. So, I mean, we've really literally just finished rewatching it mm. a couple of hours ago. And. Um, yeah. Do convince us. <laughs> no, it's not my job to do that. <laughs> and like, if you're if you don't like it, you won't like it. I mean, there's nothing I could do <laughs> that will suggest it. Um, no, I'm just curious. I reckon you, you probably had all the same problems I did, which is that you got to the end of the film and you remembered maybe one character name. Yes. Well, I had that problem going through the film, and I thought, what. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that person they're talking about? Hmm. And well, well luckily I they say about... they say Jin Erso a lot, but no yes. one else. That's correct. Yes, like I I mostly knew people by the actor's name. 
Oh, not even that. I really, I think 30 seconds before we started recording, I was like, oh my God, I need to open up IMDb because I can't remember any of the names. (laughs) I wrote them down, but then I didn't bring the notebook in here. But I I remember now that... um, because I was just calling him Riz Ahmed throughout the entire film, my my man Riz <laughs> MC. Uh, but he's like Bodhi Rook, which is fine unless when you see it written down, it looks like he's called Body Rock, which is yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> quite funny in and of itself. Cassian, which is a real that's just a real sci-fi name anyway. Yes, yes. Also, I kept. Getting confused because I always thought there was a girl's name and then I forgot she was called Jin and then I got confused again who they were talking about. This okay. <laughs> is a different film with Cassie and Jim. <laughs> yeah, a bit like that. It just that confused me. And the robot for me is always the guy who lost his eye in Pirates of the Caribbean. Is that the only thing you know Alan Tudyk from? Well, I keep seeing him in other stuff, and I was like, oh my, that's the guy who lost his eye in Pirates of the Caribbean. And then I keep thinking that all the time I see him, but then I don't remember where else I remember him from. I thought you were one of those Firefly people, Kay. No, 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 Mikis, I'm not. Okay, I apologise. I think think way back when in the old days, Emily tried to make me watch it. Mm. And then I got into about 10 minutes and the spaceships were so dirty I had to stop. Could that be another thing you don't like about Rogue One? It's like, <laughs> oh, it's a dirty sci-fi. Yeah, it's... Well, no, for me it felt a bit like... You know how like in book series sometimes you get... I love the... that we haven't introduced ourselves for this one, by the way. We've just ploughed straight in. Oh, yeah. That's a fair point. Yeah. Hi, this is Katerina. <laughs> <laughs> This is Mick. And this is Chris. Hello. So now let me continue my thought, please. So in book series, sometimes you've got these short stories like 0.5 or 3.5 where you go back and explain something. And they're like really just short stories. And that's a bit what it felt like. It's a bit of backstory. It's a bit of a flashback, but really not an awful lot for a whole movie. Yeah, it's... It's uh, two lines of explanation in A New Hope, I guess. Mm. Yes, there's a story behind it, but I'm not sure that I needed to know it. It wasn't too painful. It went by quickly. Oh, it wasn't a bad. It wasn't a bad film. I'm just. It's not a story that I felt I needed to know. I'll tell you what it does do. It it, it does exonerate the blowing up the 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 method of blowing up the Death Star. Uh, in the it's a deliberate weak point left in by the designer yes that you could you could shoot a torpedo at this exhaust port and it'll magically suck it in and and channel it direct to the core yes but a bit of a long shot in terms of how that message finally got through put it this way if i was so intelligent that i was able to develop a whole a machine that was capable of destroying a planet and was capable of Building in a, a flaw, I think I would have built something a bit more that would I, that I knew would explode, rather than something that might explode if somebody hit it with a mm. phaser after a whole chain of unlikely events had <laughs> <laughs> managed to but work their way through. I'm guessing yeah. this is the problem of, as you say, uh, trying to 
retcon an entire plot from yeah, a, yeah. like from a paragraph. Yeah, as I mean, as you say, yes, they've explained it, and yes, it's I, it's as good a reason as you would get, I think. Yeah, but it's still a bit cheery. <laughs> and it's the 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 only the only plot you get for the second Death Star is that many bovins died to bring us that information. We <laughs> think, well, this is true. We could expand on that. Who are the bovins? How did they die? What were they doing to get that information? Well, we can look forward to that in Rogue. Two, rogue no, two, rogue one, rogue one two, or rogue two. <laughs> yeah. Well, rogue one sure. two, maybe rogue three. Yeah, two addition, additional problems. <laughs> oh, there's going to be another one. No, I don't. <laughs> no, there isn't going to be uh, another one. That, that's one of the benefits of killing off the entire cast. Uh, someone did. Uh, I can't remember who now. Like Screen Rant or someone did um, a an April Fool's Day thing about sort of. Cassian, I, I keep calling him Cassian. Uh, is that correct? You've got him to be open. Uh, yes, Diego yes. Luna, Cassian, yes. Cassian, and Jin Erso, like being magically sort of rescued from the. Be- if they had like beam up technology, like in Star uh, Trek, yes, I could uh-huh. see that happening. And yeah, then okay. them going on to have a, a a sequel to Rogue One. They had quotes from like Kathleen Kennedy, but of course it was an April Fool's Day. But mm. that that fact was missed by a number of people who picked up that story. And I've not looked him up, so he's only really been more of a producer than an actor, really. Um, one thing I did to make myself more interested in watching the film is that one of, one of the nights I was going to watch it, I instead watched all of the um, supplemental information on the second disc. And what was weird about Gareth Edwards, he was talking about the, the director, he was talking about why he hired this guy because he was like more light-hearted instead of being like a dark brooding guy and that doesn't come across at all in the finished film so diego luna's really moody uh, he's not moody as such but but he's not the sort of approachable you know affable laughable guy that you think and he, also he probably shouldn't be in this plot anyway <laughs> well he didn't no. really come across like it and I mean okay plot wise and I do give the plot the point that they call her out on being too suddenly like oh I don't give a shit and suddenly I'm the big revolutionary chick but then it still works I just the transition really didn't make sense I I don't want to be one of these, oh, suddenly there's too many women in Star Wars guys, but do you think it suffered from there being a sort of English-accented white female lead straight after there being another one of those in a way that we would never discuss if it was another white guy in the lead, by the way, (laughs) while we're we're doing that? I have to be completely sexist here myself, but I thought that as well because I thought the first time I saw it, I was like, is that the same chick as in... Mm. She's very very similar facial features and structure and height and everything else, mm. but, and as you yeah, accent even. So quite... this you know, not even the the, the character yes, white brunette female, um, bit of a loner. Yeah, again, these are things we would never question if it was just another a white dude. But if it's something like if they oh there'd been an, another black guy and it's like well we just had a black lead guy in Star Wars why do we have to have another one right now which is a societal problem and nothing to do with any one of us individually. 
I think it's more of a... If you do it for the sake of it, rather than it being a necessity of the plot... No, so this is the thing, because it sounds like that's what I'm saying. Like, oh, they've just done it for the sake of it. And I don't think they have done. And even if they no. had, that's not a problem either. I'm just wondering if that made the film suffer in the eyes of the general public, if it seemed a bit sort of, we've just seen this happen. Yeah, no, I think it's just the the regular plot. I mean, if it had been... Um the young orf the blonde young orphan boy who's been rescued and then brought up by his older mentor it would have been the same like uh, okay. uh, i've seen we've, that before we've, we've definitely seen that before <laughs> once or twice yeah <laughs> yeah but, but but that's my point so i don't i mean yes the woman thing did stick out and i don't know it just felt to me more of a going with the trends than Something that came natural. My argument is that it's a thing that shouldn't stand out, but does because of bullshit. Yes. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, you know, it's probably easier for me to say, but I'm just as guilty of it Mm. as anyone else. But I then question, okay, is she just there because it's now cool to have a quote, strong female lead, though I found her really being a whiny little something or another. Um, you, or are the, you, she... you are the most misogynist of all of us, aren't you? <laughs> yes, really is. Yeah, I, think, I, I think it's... Um, the whole discussion for me is that because it's an issue and because, like you said, it shouldn't be one, I more and more people becoming aware that it's an issue they then work so hard to work against it and you're not sure anymore are they doing it for the story are they doing it for the movie are they doing it just to have the quota woman in and then I feel like bullshitted I think this was an attempt to address diversity in Star Wars casting uh, among the good guys in the, the only sort of white guy in 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 amongst the good guys was replaced by a robot (laughs) and that's that's cool i mean it's a thing they they may feel conspicuous uh in doing but i i for one as a viewer do not mind that no i mean it's like it's like everyone knew the new doctor was going to be either a woman or a black man Mm. and yes it's good and yeah, they had young and older ones, and but I just don't want it to be just for the sake of it. And like I said, if if it had been just another young blonde boy orphaned thing being mm. rescued by the mentor, I would have been just as annoyed because it's just it seems this cookie cutter, lonely, strong female character who. First is really, really grumpy and doesn't want to talk to people, but suddenly becomes the leader of a new revolution, blah, blah, blah. And that's what's bothering me. Well, in all fairness, she doesn't become that. She just like does one mission and then gets blown up. Yeah, if she hadn't been blown up. I mean, I don't think that was the intent of her being, you know, it wasn't her intent being blown up. Of course. No, but it's just, it just feels like one of those things. You know, okay, this is this new thing we need to do. I mean, they could have made her, I don't know, 
be some others making a redhead or <laughs> something or older or mm. I don't know. But then certainly if she'd been male, then the similarities again, and we're kind of coming back to uh, Force Awakens in retreading previous plot points because her whole story setup is not so far from looks, really. Oh, uh, yeah. No, I guess you're right. You know, orphaned, turns out her dad actually is still alive and turns out he's built a planet-killing machine. Yeah, you're not helping if they're just <laughs> replacing one cookie cutter with the next. And I don't care if it's a woman or a man, it's just... What what was the point they were making in the movie then? I don't think they were making a point. They were just like, what other what other Star Wars stories can we tell that are sort of adjacent to what we know, but aren't just like what the Skywalker family did next? And uh, this is what they came up with, obviously, in terms of a thing that would have some public recognition. And it's after that we start getting into like. Obi-Wan backstory or Han Solo backstory, which obviously is a thing that's definitely happening. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. To me, this one felt like we were seeing a lot of... We were having a lot of cameos of characters we know or... Oh, do you remember there's a bit where they run into Evazan and Ponda Baba, the guys from the, the Tatooine cafeteria? My friend doesn't like you. I don't like you either. So he's really basically going around all the desert planets in the galaxy bumping into people. Yeah, he's he's just there to be <laughs> annoying. I, I don't know how he's doing it, but he's like, it's the space version of interrailing. <laughs> I thought it was like Stan Lee has to have a cameo in all the movies. Uh, yeah, it could be. But yeah, and also the guy from, I mean, I don't know if it was, it might not have been the same character, it might just have been somebody of the same species, but oh, you mean the guy Darth from, oh, no. no, the... From Jabba's palace, the guy with the kind of wiggly head. I don't know what his name is. Oh, is he? Is the guy with the sort of flesh of dreadlocks wrapped round his neck? Yes. Bib Fortuna is the name you're after. Ah, you know? yes, that's ah, uh, yes. Why I know these things, I couldn't tell you, but I seem to. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I was like, I thought you didn't have any notes with you, but okay. No, this is all in my mind, and I, I have. Again, I don't really think of myself as a Star Wars fan. This is just knowledge I've been unable to escape. At least I've not. At least I didn't have cause to mention salacious crumb, but I have now. So yeah, get it in there quickly. <laughs> Done. It's a great name. It it sounds like one of it is a great name that doesn't suit the character it's for, which is uh, salacious no. crumb is the little thing that sits on Jabba's shoulder in Return of the Jedi and just goes. <laughs> That's salacious crumb. Yeah, it's a very Dickensian. Yes. Name. It should be dessert. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of saucy, but got like a, a crumbly biscuit top. Yeah. Coming from the guy who taught me what a spotted dick is, that's yes. bold. I knew that's where that conversation yeah, was going. Same here. <laughs> I know, I just, I just my segues are amazing. <laughs> What else could I talk about in this? Michael Giacchino had about a month to do with a film score in which I I don't necessarily think it's the greatest score in the world, but that's an impressive feat. It is an impressive feat, yeah. But, I mean, there were a lot of themes that were reused. Yes. With maybe, like, a few notes changed at the end of the melody or whatever, so... Well, I had a double measure. laugh from his main theme, which is that, firstly, 
I don't know if have you ever had to write a pastiche tune mix go yes. a thing yeah. a, so if you go right I need to do something that sounds like Star Wars and you go you know you go you just yeah. sort of pick the same thing and then move the notes around which is kind of what he's done here but mm-hmm. unfortunately in doing so he has landed in almost exactly the same place as John Barry did in 1978 when he did the theme for notorious Star Wars knockoff movie Star Crash. Oh, I don't think I've even heard of that. The theme he the theme Giacchino has made is like one <laughs> there's a bit where there's a triplet run up and he's done it as two notes and the last note of Giacchino's one is one tone higher. They're even in they're even in the same key. Whoops. It goes ba 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 Except for J.K. News 1 goes ba 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 which I realise now is actually a minor third and not one tone at all. So uh, never mind. Well, I'm sure no one else, I mean, apart from you guys, did pick up on that. Um, I, I did because I watched it again and laughed and then I searched Rogue One Star Crash and found a few people had done little YouTube videos <laughs> to compare them to. So you can, you can do that either Excellent. right now or um, in a minute and amuse yourself. So now I'm curious about that Star Crash thing. Star Crash, it's great. It's got Christopher Plummer and David Hasselhoff. Oh, I know that guy. See, finally you're talking about people I know. <laughs> it's like <laughs> Captain America. Hey, David that. Hasselhoff was, was cool over here in the 90s. Hey, he was. He, he, he brought down the Berlin Wall. Yeah, he was a big deal in Germany. He was, he was looking for freedom. Plus all the Baywatch stuff and Knight Rider and all that. I grew up on that. Hmm. I know you're too old for that. Yes, thankfully. <laughs> or two across the pond. I don't think anyone other than Central Europe really appreciates the Hoff. Like we did in the 90s. <laughs> Never again. We'd already appreciated him in the 80s. He had to carry on moving further west to continue <laughs> appreciation. But I'm curious about that movie. Maybe we should watch that. But if it's 78, then everyone must be really young. If it helps, it's one of the ones done on the new uh, Mystery Science Theatre 3000 season that's on Netflix. That bad? (laughs) Uh, Yes. So if you don't fancy watching Star Crash by itself, you can watch it with Jonah and the Bots. Okay, okay. I I helped kickstart that. I I feel partially responsible. Oh, cool. So what... I still don't know why you like Rogue One, Chris. Well, that's that's the problem with me being on things like this because I'm not good at talking about why one likes or doesn't like a thing. And it's like, in the same way that go, why do you like pineapple? I go, well, it tastes nice. And they say, what about the taste of pineapple? Do you like? And I go, the niceness of it. <laughs> And, and there are some people who don't like pineapple because they don't think it tastes very nice. And that is a problem, I think, with film criticism. Uh, to be honest, yes. I don't mind a, a downer ending. I do like being a. I do like being on the planet when the Death Star is doing its business, like having this sort of terrifying moon-like reflection come back. Yes. And I know, like in what we now think of as uh, what we're, we're told to think of as a New Hope. 
Like they turn the Death Star beam on and Alderaan goes from planet to rubble in about a second. But like what I've loved about this and about the um Starkiller base thing in uh, Force Awakens as well is they've let they've stuck you on the planet while these things are happening. And yeah. it is the terrifying like um Jeddah like peels itself apart like an orange and it's yeah. Yeah. a terrifying death filled orange that's yeah. coming to get you. And I, I'm afraid I really love that kind of uh, doomy apocalypse imagery that you can't escape. No, I thought it was quite refreshing compared to the the upbeat endings of. I mean, even Empire Strikes Back had a slightly up note, even though it was a pretty dark movie. Yeah, so at least it was people resolving, like, right, we're we're going to come together and do a thing. Yeah, and they they kind of saved a few people and stuff but this one was yeah it was really dark for the star wars universe it didn't um they resisted any kind of um romantic story crowbarring like the most you get is the two characters having a hug at the end which frankly i would probably hug at pretty much anyone who was nearby if this death wave was coming towards me well yes but yes you're quite right it was dark but at the same time it does explain you hope because if everything had gone so smoothly before why would you need all that hope so you need kind of this dark low point to have a new hope being more of a you know light there i i guess so and it was often thought of as i think someone asked gareth edwards if there would be a sequel to Rogue One, and he said if there would be, it would be directed by George Lucas, which is him saying this is, it is a deliberate attempt to lead yes. into the other one, although it does make Princess Leia's bluff look really crap. <laughs> I have no, you know, I literally have no idea what you're talking about, Vader. Yeah, it, I always had the impression that they'd track them down, I don't know, more as a longer term thing, as opposed to chasing them straight out of the yeah, belly of the beast, as it were. Still, as a viewer, it's up to you whether you accept that canon or not. Yeah, yeah, a, exactly. And I think a lot of people aren't prepared to do that. See, I'm a, I watch horror films, so I know I, know, I watch franchise slasher movies, so I know what it's like to sometimes just accept or not accept various bits of plot in order to carry on. Like you, you yeah, cannot yeah. watch either the Halloween series or the Friday the 13th series as one complete narrative, because it absolutely doesn't work. You have to sort of pick and choose. But okay. is it because it's such a such a thing? Because Star Wars is, has this fandom, is so much of a canon, whereas... Maybe so. Uh, and, and, uh, well, the problem is, this is canon, because they were established a new canon. They had a canon, and they they kicked when Disney got in charge, they kicked it out and started building their own one instead, which we talked about before. Now, all of the previous canon is now called Star Wars Legends, like things that might not have happened but sound good anyway, and they could kind of cherry pick bits from it. Exactly, whatever they what they want, they can take. Yeah, which is neat, but I can see would annoy people who cared about that sort of thing. Yes, but that always happens with things where people are really, really invested in. That would happen more than... You know, if it was just um, a loosely related thing where, you know, 
A New Hope at that point had been many, many years ago. So a couple of people might have rewatched it. So if it hadn't been such a fandom thing, then people would be like, oh yeah, they might not have remembered it that well. So they'd be much better at accepting what was going on than someone who knows every inkling and every bat of the eye. This is a very interesting thing you're bringing up because it's it's going to lead me to talk about something else about Rogue One. Which so what you're saying is that if people didn't have such intimate knowledge of the other one to compare it to, they wouldn't have yes. felt the I mean disconnect so much. Yeah, just take me for example. I wouldn't have noticed it mm. because I've only seen A New Hope once. Yeah, and that was now. What almost well to over two years ago? Yeah, where some people have had, have been watching it once a month for the last yes <laughs> couple of decades. Yes, and for me, it was just like, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, that's that's where the other one began. Yeah, I remember that. So therefore, Katerina, I am going to ask you, CGI Grand Moff Tarkin, how do you feel about uh, computer generated Peter Cushing? Did he bother you? No. Not really, no. And Mick, did he bother you? <laughs> um, very much. I, I, I just, the, that, just... There we go. <laughs> See, because I, I actually had to wreck my print. Oh, he was animated. No, not because of disrespecting the actor or anything else. It's just it felt unnecessary. There was a scene towards, I think, one of the end of his scenes, if not his last scene, where he's looking out at the Death Star, and you see his reflection in the glass. And I would have been happy if he talked like that, and that was all you saw of him. And you'd think, oh, that's, they've done that well. Mm. You know, I was quite happy for the character to be there, but when he turns around then and you see, like, Xbox One graphics... <laughs> uh, not Xbox One, Xbox 360 graphics. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's an upgrade, but yeah. You think, but not like Xbox One. Wars. Yeah. Well, it, but, uh, oh, it depends. <laughs> the machine that people used to call the Xbox One is now a different machine. Yeah, that's why I was going. Back. Yeah, confusing. <laughs> that's why I yeah. Anyway, it, th- yes. Th- I mean, the CGI is good for ten years ago, five years ago, even. But for what's currently out there, it, and I think it's because if it had been an alien, you don't have that. Your, your brain doesn't kind of distinguish the way it would because it's a, a human face, and especially a human face that you're actually used to seeing. But this is interesting, yeah, because I think because you're more intimately aware with how he looks and how he looks in that role, whether it was more of a clunker for you than it was for Kay, for example. Yeah, because I, like, somewhere in the back of my head, I remember knowing it, but not. But were you. And whilst I was watching it, I wasn't really like, oh, that's that guy they CGI'd. Mm, so no. that's the sort of thing I it's find. Like, like, I do think in about maybe five, ten years' time, it will look particularly clunky. But uh, yeah. it didn't. It didn't bother me so much in the cinema. I, I, I saw a lot, but like cinema film quality is terrible. <laughs> you have to actually watch at home to see the film. Anyway, that's yeah. a different complaint. Um, it reminded me of. I had a friend over for. When the when the previous um, Doctor Who series was finishing up, and I don't want to say too much, but there was an episode towards the end that had 
a recurring a returning character in it in disguise if you've seen it you probably know mm-hmm. who who i'm talking yes. about mm-hmm. um and i knew that was happening because the bbc had blown it beforehand but my friend who hadn't who also hadn't watched the rest of the series didn't know that so they spent the whole episode going why have they made this guy up so weirdly <laughs> like i know they could have found another actor who looked you know who looked different yeah, and I, yeah. I i think i think there's a bit of it in there as well i don't know i i was able to tie that together much more neatly in my head but now i come to use words i having a word failure yeah i, I think for what Kay says is, is is right to a degree because if you aren't familiar or aren't that familiar with it mm. and and the character then you you kind of look at it and think oh, he's CGI, why have they CGI'd him when all the other characters yeah. are not CGI? But and that's the all, thing. You know, I do... the other humans that are kind of But strange. the scene was over before I couldn't even, you know. And that, that's the question I'm having, whether he seems like a CGI character to someone who is not expecting one. No, he didn't. Okay. Plus, all okay. I mean, I'm short-sighted. I might not have cleaned my glasses properly. Okay, or, or rather, even if, like, I wasn't expecting a CGI Peter Cushing... But I also know there's no way that's Peter Cushing because that would be physically impossible. I think the thing that annoyed me about it was the fact that actually it wasn't essential to the story, and therefore it was—it's like it was showing off, mm. but showing off with something a bit crap. On the um, making of material, they talk about Tarkin like it was important that he was there because obviously he's running the show. Like the next time you see the Death Star. But I suppose that control could have been wrested away by Darth Vader, who's in the film, and then just sort of have a, a line of dialogue where he passes responsibility on to someone else. But then I realise, of course, that Vader's not in charge of Tarkin. Tarkin's in charge of Vader, so I'm getting confused all over the place. Yeah, but then you have the guy, and I don't even know the character's name. Krennic the, is, it, is his name. Krennic, yes. The guy Krennic. who looks like 1980s Ian McKellen. Yes, I mean, he's basically filling that role. Mm. The characters are so kind of similar in in many ways that it just felt to me like you're bringing in Tarkin where I didn't need him. And I suppose now you say that they could have they could have done it where Krennic is on the planet at the end, and then for some reason the Death Star fires on him as well, and you don't know why they've let him out to dry. But someone has sort of usurped the authority. Oh, yeah, I suppose there was another way to do it. So I'm guessing, as you say, it was a thing they felt they could do and wanted to. Yeah. I mean, they obviously thought they could do it because they did the same with Carrie Fisher at the end. Yeah, that was that accidentally distasteful due to accidental timing. Yeah. There was nothing they could have done about that, but I did leave... Loads of people to wonder if they were going to sort of CG her up for the next two films, and they had to go, "No, we're definitely not doing that." Yeah, that was a, a good move to come out with that. I think. Mm. <laughs> so, what do you think is going to happen? They'll re- they'll do rewrites, and they'll probably kill the character off. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Or she'll go off on an amazing secret adventure, like uh, Miguel Ferrer's character did in NCIS Los Angeles. 
I know that's a strange, uh, strange no, <laughs> reference point. No, we haven't seen point. that yet. No, we haven't seen that yet. So now I was just wondering. It's like, no, I haven't seen that yet. Well, don't tell anyone. It's a secret. Okay. No, but... So what's your expectations for the next one, then? Since it's only... What's it, two weeks now? Until the next movie's out? And this is a weird thing to say, but I am expecting to enjoy it a lot. I don't know. It's just... The fact they've given the director of this one his own separate spin-off trilogy of Star Wars films based on the strength of what he's done on this is a bit of a suggestion that we might be in for some quality. So is it J.J. Abrams again, Nock? No, it's, uh, it's Ryan not... Ryan Johnson of the movie Brick. And he's then doing the new, the next trilogy. He's doing a he's doing a completely separate trilogy of like a Star Wars story type films that I think are also unrelated to these other sort of off year ones like this and like Solo that are happening. Mm-hmm. No idea what's going on to be honest with those, but there you go. I can see them wanting summer Star Wars films as well now that it seems to have become a December thing. I thought. No, that's why I was confused for a moment because I thought this new, these new movies were a trilogy as well. They are yes. right. Okay, yeah. so there's episode seven, which was J.J. Abrams. Episode eight was Ryan Johnson. The uh, Last Jedi. Yes, and episode nine was going to be uh, Colin Trevorrow, and then that didn't happen. And it's going to, I think, it's going to be J.J. Abrams again. I think I've heard that. Yes, uh-huh. uh, I could have uh, looked into that before we recorded, but I didn't. Oh, okay. No, because that that confused me. Because I, I thought you were talking about that. Oh, I see. No, that Ryan Johnson has been given a, his own utterly separate set of Star Wars films to be making outside of everything else. So Okay, so but that's still part of the same universe, but not really canon. Mm. No, it yeah, would I don't be... think anybody knows anything about them yet, really, do they? Yeah, do they? It, it would be it would be canonical, but hopefully not really intersect with any of the plot, so it wouldn't really matter, canonicity-wise. Yeah, that would be good. I've, I'd be up for that. <clears throat> and, um, I don't know, Luke Skywalker's actually going to be in this one? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think we both... I think we have both. I think we all had that realization through the Force Awakens that right, oh, we're just going to see him at the end, aren't we? <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. <laughs> so he'll actually be a character in this one, rather than like the absence of his character is a, a driving force in the other one. So we will start to have payoffs to things that have just been setups and questions thus far, which are. Um, if if you're going to have someone do that, J.J. Abrams is your man because he loves setting up questions and is not a big fan yeah, of answering, answering them. them That's the... for certain, yes. Yeah. Can Maybe I they just... could get David Lynch to do the third one. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. He, um, he already didn't do the third one of the original trilogy. <laughs> but yeah, if that, him, that and, be, him and Mark Frost great. in charge of um, paying that off. I think that I would go on and the whole the whole second strike. half of the film mm. set in a completely different timeline. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, somewhere in a forest cabin <laughs> in the eighties in the states or something. Oh God! And Solo's alive again. He's like, "What year is this?" 
putting putting guns in a deep fat fryer. I mean, I don't understand you. <laughs> what? Cha Cha Binks would make more sense. Uh, I'm sure. I, I think I think you're taking that too far, now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there is got going to be any kind of bribe or enticement for me to watch David Lynch stuff. No, it's not your thing. <laughs> Quite simply. I think I'm I'm lacking synapses in my brain for that. You've not even watched Dune. Dune's pretty accessible. Really? <laughs> I mean, it's more accessible than Inland than... Empire. Yes, that's true. <laughs> I I should have just brought up the straight story. Um, we're, we're moving further away from Rogue One. Which we are, <laughs> yes. <laughs> what, that should tell me something about Rogue One. I thought we were just going to talk a little bit about The Last Jedi since it's going to be out soon and we'll hopefully well, we'd, manage to record we're that. We're going to talk about that out. one in a more in-depth way soon. Yes, yes. Plus, now I know what's going to happen next story-wise. Oh, well. So, but the, but the you... pan... No, I mean, how, what kind of movies are to come mm. out or not, or what we know so far. But I'm also curious about the um, Han Solo spin-off story. That could be kind of fun. These are these spin-off titles are getting short. Like ever since they rechristened wrote, uh, Star Wars to A New Hope, I think three words has been your minimum entry <laughs> method for Star Wars titling, and then Rogue One happened and. It seemed short, and then Solo happened, and that seems, seeing it in those big letters, but with the sort of Star Wars border around it. Um, that dog's making a hell of a noise. Yes, I think I'm just going to take the yogurt <laughs> tub off him. Hang on. Yes, he found his yogurt pot. Nice. And now decided to chew it. Like, Talking about the dog, we've been in Edinburgh, we've been to this um, geeky shop, and I went in, and they had... You know, a lot of they had a lot of Harry Potter stuff. They also had a lot of Star Wars stuff, and they had this huge Chewbacca mm. figure, like bigger than human size. And he just sat down and was staring at it, and yeah. he was just—it was like he couldn't really believe what he was seeing because he's a big furry lump himself. Yeah. And I wasn't sure if he was allowed in because he's like a ninety-pound <laughs> slim puppy. Yeah. Um, and then the clerk, sir, clerk came in and like. You know, I'm I'm just looking for a ammunition belt for him. Yeah. <laughs> and he looked at me and started laughing. I could actually can't find an ammunition belt for the puppy because all the Chewbacca costumes come with the whole fur. And obviously I don't need the long furry bit. Yeah. I just need the ammunition belt. And I've actually already thought about redoing the podcast logo using the puppy because he's already got the hair in his face, whereas I had to comb it forward. Yeah. That that's actually a very cool idea. If you can get him to wear sunglasses for any length of time. Well, well now we've really moved on from the Rogue yeah. One story. Yeah. Well, I enjoyed bits of the Rogue One story, and I enjoyed seeing the old stormtroopers and the old ah yes spaceships and all that old stuff done with modern effects, and I thought it looked good. I just I think I would probably have enjoyed it a bit more, and it's nothing to do with the film; it's more to do with perception. I think I would have enjoyed it more if I had seen it before the Force Awakens, because it would be seeing seeing that old world in in those fresh with those fresh eyes for that film, and then when the Force Awakens comes, then it's the nostalgia hit of the old characters as well. Yeah, it's weirdly proportioned in the 
how much it feels like Star Wars because it spends a lot of its time going, you know, we're a very different kind of Star Wars movie. And then in the last 20 minutes, it's the most Star Wars movie that's ever been made. <laughs> like, all of a yes. sudden, and like Ben Daniels is flying a TIE fighter, uh, an X Wing fighter at you with his crazy 1970s mustache. Yeah. And, and I don't know. Those, those bits are pretty spectacular but and i do like the downer ending and between that you've got the stupidest moviest kind of video gamey bit of trying to get the these plans out of this machine oh ridiculous with yes. the hands and that's kind of stupid i would have much preferred just like a bank of monitors and then you're threatened by krennic with his guard gun but hey it just seems a bit weirdly jolly at that point i it didn't bother me. You know, I wasn't sitting there. I was like, oh my God, what am I watching? I want to gorge my eyes out. It was just, like I said, she felt a bit gimmicky. And I wasn't too fussed about her character. Um, and the whole thing felt, it was a bit longer than it needed to be. But it was okay. It was not like, oh my God, I don't want to watch this. I don't want to watch this. Like, yeah. That's okay. Oh, now it's over. Okay, all right. And yes, the the downer ending is is a good thing too. I'd have liked more Mads Mikkelsen. Well, yeah, he was one of the highlights, I guess. Yes, but he's always cool. But like and, when uh, when you when you tot him up, he's got like maybe forty seconds. <laughs> no, that's a, okay. That's a somewhat somewhat of exaggeration, but he's not in it much. No, that's true. No, but when he's everyone's like, oh, 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 oh that's Mads Mikkelsen. You know, he's one of those actors who, if he just does a short, almost a cameo, mm. everyone's like, oh, oh, look, he's here. Which is, you know, you've got a few characters like that in that movie. I mean, you got got, um, uh, what's his name? See, now I closed it. Um, Forrest Whitaker. Forrest Whitaker, thank you. See, you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, face. He's the cr- one of the craziest Forrest Whitaker performances I've ever seen. It's kind of like anti-Darth Vader, Saw Gerrera. He's sort of made of bits and has got the this tank and he speaks like this throughout the whole thing. It's, yeah, and one of his, I mean, at one point he even breathes exactly like Vader, and then he yeah. takes the he takes it off to breathe naturally as well as he, as he knows he's going to die. Yeah. <laughs> So, yes, very. But yeah, I, I, it's almost certainly a reused sound effect from Ben Burt's scuba diving yeah. business. <laughs> yeah. So, how did you. I mean, like I said, for me, I didn't watch it often enough to compare, but how did Darth Vader compare to, for you guys? Ah, this is interesting. Uh, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. Mick, I mean, go. hello, you've talked about everything else, but not that guy. Because he was underwhelming. I wonder, I thought they'd recast the voice because I think it did I, sound quite different. Yes, I think it's a bit like um, Tom. Uh, I'm going to talk about Doctor Who again because it's my th- my my podcast thing. But Tom Baker is currently back doing Big Finish audio adventures as Doctor Who, but of course that man's 83 now. He doesn't sound yeah. like he did at the uh, at the end of the 70s. He's still yeah, got he a lovely voice, but he hasn't got anything like the power in it, mm, and that's the yeah. same thing. With this, I thought it was someone doing a James Earl Jones impression. I thought that's interesting. Why have they done that? Did was he not available? Did he not want to be associated with it? 
And no, I think I think I knew that he was a he was in it, but it just didn't sound as 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 you say as strong and as powerful. And even the, yeah, the Vader suit looked odd. The eyes kind of reflected reddish and stuff like that. But it has got that excellent sort of inverse horror movie thing at the end where he he shows up uh, about to you know about to, not quite at the Tanti four, but in a you know in a black hallway lights his lightsaber and there he is and then just tears through a bunch of dudes that's some good that's some good stuff that that's felt like a, a good bridge between the kind of speed of his moves in the original trilogy and what mm. anakin was doing yes you kind of felt that yes that was a that's the way things would have progressed but no i felt that when he first appeared i mean apart from the fact that your first view of him in this is in his spa treatment oh yeah yeah as opposed to anything more sinister when he finally does appear he doesn't seem he doesn't seem to be as imposing he i agree there's there's one camera angle where the the camera's kind of in the distance and the um god i can't even remember that guy's name again the general guy that would be krennic uh, played by played by ben mendelsohn Again, this yeah. is all in the brain. It's uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not in my brain, unfortunately. Um, Krennic because I was is, too slow to switch over to IMDb again. Yep, yeah. Krennic is. He, he looks like he's only maybe four or five centimeters shorter than Darth Vader, which is crazy because Vader should be towering above him. Mm. And later angles show him towering more, but there's one or two bits that just he just doesn't feel very menacing. I think you're right. Well, and you I think... say it. I think yes. I think I agree. That was my first impression too. I think I. The first time I didn't even notice it was him, and now we watched it again. Obviously, I, I knew it was him, but yes, yes. Now you say it. I've, yeah, I'm and the the the, the sort of weakness of the voice adds to that as well. He seems a yeah. di- sort of a diminished version, not not tall yeah, enough, then, not bassy enough. And it, I don't know if you look and he would actually physically be taller than you remember, but yes, he doesn't he doesn't feel. Told in the memory, which is a stupid thing to say, but well, I, I hope it makes sense. I mean, Dave Prowse is not a small guy. That's true. It wasn't Dave. I know it wasn't Dave Prowse anymore. But Indeed. um they just see, he didn't seem as imposing. So I don't know. Don't worry. There'll be a, there'll be a special edition along with the update Cushing's face oh, course, and yes. uh, make him make <laughs> Vader eighty feet tall. You didn't find his voice impressive enough. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, but not only that, it reminded it reminded me of um there was I don't know if you ever heard them, there were NPR, National Public Radio versions of of the Star Wars trilogy done with some of the original actors and some not original actors. And the Darth Vader in that is played by Brock Peters, who's a who's a great actor and it's a it's a great it's not a bad voice, it's just a different voice. And it reminded me a bit of that. A slightly gentler Vader, which is an odd thing to say. <laughs> yes. But especially, I mean, if it was, like you said in the movies, if it was the transition between Anakin and Vader, but then it wasn't because Anakin at the end was quite grumpy already. Yeah, indeed. The thing is, this is like 20 minutes before Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, true. true. Um, if, you were, if you were pulling that as a deliberate kind of bridging move, then you, you want a Vader from about... 10 years earlier yeah yeah that's a fair point no no so but i still I, I still understand the point you're making about 
getting continuity between those the two versions of that character on screen. I still think that's a good idea mm, yeah. because a lot of what he's doing is force business rather than like flippy, sabery business, which is what yes, he would have been true. doing yeah. previously. Exactly, yep. yep. Yeah, but maybe it's because. I don't know, because he wasn't in charge at that point that he seemed so much smaller. I don't know. Um, I mean, that may be it as well, when he and Tarkin sort of of stage a small coup on the Death Star, he might be emboldened. Who knows? That That would be something to be further explored in a different thing, but probably some books, frankly. Uh, Which there are, I just haven't read them. And... Whilst we're on the subject of that last walk through the entrance that Vader does mm. and the bucket brigade of men trying to get the card <laughs> to Princess Leia who suddenly stop at the open door because they're more interested in getting through the open door and not getting the card yeah. that hundreds of them or thousands potentially of them have sacrificed their lives to get. There's an open door, they could pass it through but they wait till the very last minute before they do so. That was a bit frustrating. <laughs> well, I, just, I suppose it's self-preservation, isn't it? And you have to have, you have, so, to have yes, it come but... down to that one guy who decides, you know, whether he personally lives or dies, but everyone else is potentially saved from this planet killer. Yeah, it's just this movie felt like there were a lot of those streams of one-off coincidences that happened to knock on each other like a row of dominoes. And if that particular... If any one of those dominoes hadn't been there, then the whole plan would have just completely fallen apart. I understand. Uh, so for a deliberate, you're saying for a deliberate flaw, uh, a weak point to be exploited, it was just hinging on too many coincidences. Any movie, any story that has excitement in it has to have some element of you know, this is our last chance or whatever. But to me, this just seemed to be one after the net, uh, one after the other of if this thing doesn't go right, and, oh, that's happened. Oh, they've just made it. That was lucky. It just seemed a bit too many, but maybe that's just the way things are. <laughs> well, they had to make it more exciting if it was like, oh, there's a flaw in the plant. We just have to wait a night and then go somewhere and then push a button and then that's it. No, then, that doesn't sound exciting, I'll grant you. That that would that would, you know, shorten the whole movie even further. <laughs> so you'd have to, even though it's not credible, you have to put it in to get something to happen. I guess. I'm ready to defend something else about Rogue One. When we're ready. Um, there you go. Um, it's got the only Star Wars comic comedy character that I enjoy in K2SO. Oh, you thought he was funny. Uh, yeah, sarcastic r- robot. Yes, yes, I did. But like sarcastic in a completely different way from uh, C three PO, I find quite annoying. I suppose it was the sort of Marvin the paranoid android aspect of the the sort of de- the more depressive version of uh, the Star Wars droid. Yes, I took him seriously. That. But also, I I don't know when you when you finally thought they're all going to die. But uh, it's it's when K two S O gets destroyed. Was my thinking that was my time of realizing that everyone was going to cark it, weren't they? Yeah, if they're going to kill the, the the comedy off, then 
nobody has a chance. Oh, no, no, and I also, by the way, liked bringing up nerdy shit that no one would know from even from the films of like of like kyber crystals and the wills w-h-i-l-l-s the the strange i don't even know what they were i don't know if they were deities or something of the force i just remember them being one of the things that george lucas wrote about in his first draft screenplay in like 1973 the star wars with old anakin star killer when it was the the force of others so, according to JDpedia, it's... JDpedia? Jedipedia, sorry. Oh, not Wookiepedia. Uh, no. Uh, it was a mysterious old order that was like the predecessor of the Jedis. There we go. Okay, thank you. There you go. See, somewhere between your natural knowledge and my Googling skills. Yeah. What they did is they, they came in and stole all the iconography of a completely different older religion and used it for themselves. That's never been done before. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, Christmas! <laughs> and plus, the planet Jeddah, to me that just sounds like the singular of Jedi. Yes, I, I've got to admit, that was quite a, a bizarre naming choice. But unless it's a deliberate kind of thing, they because it was... It was like the original planet of the Jedi, wasn't it? So it was like they are the Jedi of Jedha. Ah, okay, I go right. Okay. It was the home of the first Jedi temple. Okay, I must have tuned out of that section <laughs> twice. But they don't say that. That's that's just like a detail that you can. Ah, right. Okay. You can. That's just shit, Chris knows. You can See, infer you need to it label yourself. The things, the things that were actually in the movie, and you missed, and the shit, Chris knows. <laughs> Those are two different things. And it's not easy to distinguish between them sometimes. Sometimes I just take it that I missed it when it's really just some obscure fact that just exists in Chris's head and some very dedicated Star Wars Wikipedia page. Now, again, I think you could probably find far more about it from people who know what they're talking about. But um, that seemed to me what they were doing. Because no one really knows... There's, I don't think there's ever been an explanation as what the word Jedi means. So the notion of it coming from a from a place makes actually some sense to me and it's a desert planet and it would finally explain again why they all dress like people from the desert and it's not the the, <laughs> the thing that people have made fun of bizarrely recently the idea that the jedi dressed like obi-wan kenobi did who was the guy who was hiding in the desert trying desperately not to be recognized as a jedi but then there's quite a few Desert planet. They do like the desert planets. I mean, I know there was there was That's some true. of it based on Dune to some degree, the That's original. True. But um, oh, it was nice to see um, tropical sunshine planet Scarif yes. at the end of this. Yes. That was yeah. that was nice. And you get all the stormtroopers there. I've said tropical already, but with tropical kit. <laughs> the, um, You're just waiting for the Hawaiian shirts. And... <laughs> no. That's the off duty. That's the off duty version. <laughs> Yeah, I like the dirty stormtroopers. They were good, and the 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 that were doing the prison run, mm. they were really dirty. Not like sandblasted stormtroopers you would get on Tatooine that are blasted clean by the wind and the sand. These oh, guys were oh at some point, I also have to mention the Imperial base that was actually Canary Wharf tube, tube station. <laughs> really? Okay. Yes, that's that's the underground station for Canary Wharf on the Jubilee Line in London. Um, it's a bit where they. 
I, I can't even remember where it is. I don't think it's on the Death Star, but it's a place, yeah, they're walking through and there's droids and there's stormtroopers and that. And if you watch it, you can see that there's like escalators that they've covered over <laughs> and things like that. Uh, which I thought, by the way, was set dressing, but now I've seen the behind-the-scenes stuff, it's all like CGI additions to things tracked into the shot, and it's actually remarkably impressive. Wow. But um, cool. that particular branch of the Jubilee line, they have separate glass panels uh, between you and the tracks. So the train pulls in and then the glass exterior doors open. As the train doors open, you go in and, and that's what you can see them marching past that just look like blank windows onto nothingness in the movie. Can we think of anything else to say? There are certainly things I haven't mentioned. You know, I haven't gone through every character in it. I haven't mentioned that the two biggest stars in it are like are enormous stars, but in a market we're not familiar with. But in the Chinese market, those guys are incredibly famous. Oh, really? Okay. I uh, thought the the blind guy was super. He was. He was to, to me. He was much funnier than the robot. Oh yeah, he was great. I mean, yeah. that was he was walking through the the shooting, and then he gets blown up after. That was fantastic. Yeah, real, um, real blind faith. Yes, because he's he's obviously not a force user at all. He just believes yeah, exactly, that it yeah. exists and is. Yeah. He's, and and partially, yes, it's his uh, it's his mate with who's a, a crack shot helping him out as well. Yeah. But also, he's no, he's just very trained and very good at what he does. He's a he's a great character. Yeah, I really like. I really and that. who's the second one who's so famous that we don't know? Um, <laughs> he's the uh, he's the tank guy. He's Got the gun, and I—that's the one character name I haven't um, uh, retained. Baze Malibus, or yes, something Baze like that? Uh, and Chirrut. Chirrut is um, Donnie uh, Donnie Yen. Donnie Yen, yeah. And the other guy is Wen Wen Jiang. Wen Jiang, yes. Fantastic, wow. yes. Holy moly! Um, those those two are big uh, Chinese stars. So I assume Rogue One did really well in China. Yeah, that's very that's cool. cool. Because China is a, a gigantic film market as well, so it, it it makes financial sense to represent them on screen. Back to why? Why not a Chinese guy as a main character? Mm. Uh, because uh, you can't you can't put them in <laughs> because in the West people for some reason don't accept Asian leads. Okay. So you've got to do this balancing act where you have heroes who are kind of big deals but aren't the main dude oh right I never see I mean now you say it obviously I realise it but I never realised it I didn't yeah essentially in the west if you see uh, an Asian lead actor you think oh it's a martial arts movie and if you're not interested in that you don't go and see it because that's the programming you have you don't think oh it's a romantic comedy yeah probably not and I, I use Asian, particularly in the American sense. Yeah, yeah, because I, I'm now, I, I was now Japanese, thinking Bollywood Chinese. movies. But... Yeah, of course. <laughs> what can I say? Yeah, yeah but... Hmm. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> See, these are the things you never notice, and it's this nonsense that we talked about earlier that you don't notice until... Someone has to point it out, and then you realize how much of a nonsense it is. Also, though, those two characters, I haven't seen Kurosawa's Hidden Fortress, but they do remind me of what I understand of the two sort of guys in that who 
did actually inspire C-3PO and R2-D2. Okay. And mm-hmm. you can sort of see that dynamic with yes, them yes. as well. You know, one's one's very serious and the other one is less so and help, you know, kind of helps yeah. out the situation yeah, that's, that's good. a lot more. So I, I don't know. There's a lot to enjoy. I think maybe come back to it in a year or so and see what you think. Yeah. I mean, I was underwhelmed by it, but there were bits of it I enjoyed, certainly. Was this your first experience with it, or had you no, cinnamon no. it up before? You may. Have I think we were kind of similar to yourself. We we had it to watch and didn't, never got around to it. Then eventually we watched it, and, and, like, and we were a bit underwhelmed at the mm. time. And that was probably why this time around I was really not in a hurry to see it at all. Yeah, but I did want to do it because it's still you know a Star Wars movie, and I thought, well, the original thought back when um, Force Awakens came out was to do it in between until the next movie comes but that we didn't manage that properly yeah of course so well i've got i've got me a i've got me a midnight uh last jedi showing to go to in richmond so i'll be enjoying that well we're not gonna go that early but probably within the first couple weeks yeah well thing is i might not go as well because i haven't I've I've got a, an unlimited Odeon pass. <laughs> it's a it's sort of yeah a loyalty card I've already paid okay. for, so I can just sort of book tickets. For it. So if I if I booked one and decide I I can't I don't fancy going, yeah, no of, harm done. Yeah. It's already money I've spent. So if on if on Thursday the fourteenth of December I don't feel like being in Richmond at midnight with a bunch of other Star Wars people, which uh, that frankly that last bit is the main drawback. <laughs> Necessarily ought to be in a cinema with those guys. Well, I've once been to a Star Wars Midnight premiere for episode two. Did you? I didn't know that. Did I not tell you that story when we were doing episode two? Maybe. Because I was, at the time episode two came out, I was on holiday in Paris on my own, and I was just, it was just one of those big multiplex on the Champs-Élysées and it was showing I thought oh you know I've seen this first one you know why not go to the movie and they had I literally one ticket left whereas I saw it on the first day at the multiplex in Peckham and was one of maybe Ooh. seven people. and it was weird because I think I was the only person not dressed up and I'd never had a movie experience where the credits came on and everyone was cheering and clapping I was like what did I get myself into? <laughs> but it was cool. It was it was quite impressive because it was I think it was English with French subtitles because they didn't translate it quickly enough. That was fun. I was just glad it wasn't all in French. You didn't want to watch La Guerre des Etoiles. No, no, no. That was just that was just weird. Sorry about the apologies for my pronunciation to our French listeners. Listener du français. Terrible. I think that was, that was worse. That's you a, should have stopped our listeners of the, Our listeners of the French language. Yeah. I'm, I'm already cringing. It's bad enough. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, but, but it was just uh, it was quite a quite a fun experience. I, I apologise. It's Brexit. We, we all need to... We, we, we need to learn various European languages now so we could make individual trade deals. Oh, right. And I <laughs> thought you want to make it easier for us to let you go. <laughs> 
Oh, I don't. I'm not. I'm under no illusions as to whether Europe wants. <laughs> See, wants and, us and I have no bloody clue why I spent so many years learning English when it's going to be s- for nothing, and German's going to be the next big thing. Yeah, luckily, we yes, we we decided to make ourselves irrelevant. <laughs> yeah, that's that's funny. Mm. I'm here laughing or something. Oh God. Yeah, sorry. We were, yeah, <laughs> people who thought they were making us super relevant have decided to make us relevant, irrelevant. It's a crazy, crazy world. Yeah, but that's um, so. Yeah, that was my story. I think. Yeah, that was. That was the f- woof. Yes, I agree. <laughs> I think that was said box enough. it. Um, no, but I think that was the first time I've ever went. No, that was not the first. Time. I think. I think I went Scream Three to the Midnight Premiere, but that might have been the second Midnight oh. Premiere. Well, at least Lance Henriksen's in that one. Yeah, I was really cool as a teenager. Mm. I went to Scream Three, and then obviously all the Lord of the Rings. Carrie Fisher. Carrie Fisher. Yeah, she's in Scream Three. Okay, she plays a woman um, who works at a movie studio who claims that in the 70s she was going to play Princess Leia in Star Wars, but in the end the role went to the woman who was sleeping with George Lucas. Oh my god, I think that joke might have been completely lost on me. There you go. Or I could have been four. I just realised there were four, I forgot about that. There were four. Um, Four was actually quite good. No, 2011, well, so. it could have, couldn't have been four. It must have been three. That was 2000, yeah. That sounds about right, time-wise. Yeah. So, no, I didn't I didn't know Carrie Fisher was in that. See, another another Star Wars reference I missed. There you go. There you go. She, she was in that, and she was in uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, which are the two circumstances where you may have seen Jay and Silent Bob on the set of a, a Scream movie, because they're in Scream 3 as well moping around the studio fuck me Scream 3 is a weird film <laughs> uh, yes they were all kind of weird but well the, the thing is that Scream 3 is a treatise on like horror trilogies and like the notion of them getting a bit silly so that that works and Scream 4 is about um, unappealing remakes of horror classics but like completely full of uh, um, like cast members and characters you don't give a toss about and so that's what they did with Scream 4. That's kind of impressive. Wow, another one I missed. No, well, there you go. So, so much for, for midnight premieres. Mm. I don't think I've ever been to one. You've never been to a midnight premiere of anything? Not a midnight one, no. I've been to one premiere, I think, but I don't think I've ever been to a midnight one. Uh, to be honest, I'm not. I'm not necessarily finding it appealing. It's yeah. just that I'd. I'd rather not have major wads of the plot blown for me before I get to see the thing this time. You yeah. know, with Star Wars, it's kind of difficult to avoid, isn't it? Or with anything like that. Absolutely. Well, I think the next one after that I went was Lord of the Rings, but at that time I was living across the street from the movie theater, and we did the whole. No, it was even Lord of the Rings three. The fir- not even the first two, and then we did the first two. Watched them at my place, and then literally in our slippers walked across the street into the movie theater, then walked back and had breakfast. Nice. Okay. You know, five years ago, ten years ago, it was much easier to stay off the internet and not be spoiled. Hmm. Whereas now it's almost impossible. But then again, just about in 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 Lord of the Rings, people knew what happened and. 
same in Harry Potter, so I went in like first week, but not. It also does help that movie release windows have got smaller, have got closer to each other. The last one I had problems with was Cloverfield, which was out here maybe three three months later than it was in the US. Yeah, there used to be a heck of a difference. Oh, between boo-hoo! Wait till but they yes, got indeed. them dubbed in German. <laughs> uh, well, indeed, I understand that that is also unfair. Um, but when they aren't dubbing them, it's even more perplexing. Yeah, um, quite. So, yeah, e- like E.T. was a, like a six-month job. Wow. It was some summer movie to a, a this. I think, I'm sure it was a as more of a Decembery one when it happened here. I can't remember. Mm. All I remember is it landed the same week as the thing somewhere in the US, and people claim that's why the thing didn't do very well. Yeah, a bit of a different audience. I thought really. Yeah, <laughs> and we had this weird thing with um, TV shows because, I mean, even nowadays in on regular German TV. TV shows tend to come out up to a year later and then dubbed. Um, mm. But back in the day, especially with family comedy shows, we had them on every night at the same time. So I never understood why there were Christmas episodes in the middle of the year. Because if oh, you watch yeah, them day after day, and then if there weren't any new seasons, they just started from the beginning. So it was, yeah. it was. I was so used to having a show and then seeing fifty reruns of it before I got a new episode again. But really, it took me way too long to figure out the American TV show system. That I was really so confused. Like, why? Why is there a Christmas episode in July? And then again, looked over. Why? <laughs> this thing when um, I'm all for Channel Four was showing Friends in the UK, but they had like two different strands of it. So it'd be like a morning showing and an afternoon showing, but they were they were both at different points in the series. Oh yeah, that would be oh, awkward. <laughs> so like, if you only watch the afternoon ones, fine. Or if you only watch the morning ones, fine. But if you happen to catch one or the other, you'd be like three seasons earlier. It'd be very confusing. This is an odd thing for us to be talking about all of a sudden on that Rogue One podcast. Well, now we've figured out that we are going to see it relatively close to release date, and we're aiming mm. for not waiting another year and ten months to record the podcast. Correct. We yes. should. I think all we're trying to say was that it shouldn't be too long to the next episode. Yes, I, I it agree. Was, it took even for me. It took a long time to get there. But yeah, I, I hopefully we'll be more itching to talk about um, uh, The Last Jedi anyway. Rogue One, again, it was just it was just difficult for me to come to terms with the idea of watching it again. And that was, that was when I realised I did actually like it, but I wasn't sure the first time. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I watched it with, I watched it with my wife Rachel and she really enjoyed watching it. And I think that has helped as well. In the I you know I I put her through the Force Awakens and she found it a bit sort of dull and samey and repetitive. Mm-hmm. and found this one to be sort of intriguing uh, in its own way and enjoyed the characters. And I you know I think when you're watching something with someone who enjoys enjoys it a lot, it, it can be transformative. Oh, definitely. Uh, yes. It never worked with David Lynch for me. And I, I have had the, I have had the reverse experience as well, of course, of watching things with Rachel, where she has absolutely not enjoyed it at all, and it's affected me. It's never worked with David Lynch for me. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, 
But yes, yes, I get that. Sometimes, like, enthusiasm can be contagious. Yeah, well, we had that the yeah. other day. With what? Evie. Oh, yes. What were, What was it that we were watching? Horrible Bosses or something. Yeah. Horrible Bosses 2. Horrible Bosses 2. Oh, that See, movie was terrible. And we had, we had two friends <laughs> over, and one of them mm. is, like, the most cheerful, optimistic person in the universe. When she's a bit like... You know, when English people are really polite to say, oh, he's a bit of a character. That's like the worst oh, she can see about someone. But she thinks everything, yeah. like in principle, is just really great. She was cracking mm. up through the whole movie. I was like, what are they seeing? And then we started ending up laughing as well because if someone just thinks everything is funny, it's just... I, I love that it's a language with euphemisms like that. Oh, a bit of a character. Who's like, oh, I see. <laughs> things like bubbly personality. We say, oh... Fat, you know, is what you're saying. Yeah, it's a bit, a bit like that. So, yes, we've, obviously we've got that too. Okay, well, maybe we should really wrap it up now. Yep, I think it's good. I'm, I'm the one who can always find more things to say, so uh, I'm going to choose not to do that, uh, not least because I've got I've to zip off soon and deal with my medical biz. Then why don't you just quickly tell people where they can find all that Doctor Who stuff you keep talking about? Yes, um, I do technically still do a Press Gang podcast, but there hasn't been an episode for over a year because, guess what, no one's making any new uh, Press Gang, so (laughs) nothing's hurried me along. Um, Doctor Who, uh, the 11th Hour podcast, I used to read out a URL which I think has now been cancelled, so um, tinyurl.com slash ehpodcast is the place you can hear me and a guy called Joe talk about Doctor Who in our Inevitable fashion. I I doubt anyone has ever graduated from this to the 11th Hour podcast, but if they have, I'd be fascinated to hear about it. And they should, because it's good, and it's entertaining. I listen to it. Oh, thank you. We do far less Scotland bashing than we used to. <laughs> well, and I, I, unlike, I found it funny. Unlike the British National Anthem. No, I found it right. really funny because <laughs> Chris and I, we know each other for probably 10 years now, longer than that. It's, yeah, it's about that. And Mickey discovered your podcast on his own and suddenly I heard your voice somewhere in the flat and I got confused. It's like, am I hallucinating Chris's voice? Because <laughs> we've been podcasting. I, yeah, for... I remember you telling me about this. Yes, yes. And I was like, hey, I found this this Doctor Who podcast. It's really cool. I was like, yeah, that's my mate Chris from London. I told you about him. Crying out loud. <laughs> it's the same guy. Hi. So, Fun times. Mick, what about you? Uh, you can find my stuff at mickbirdie.com and someotherscotland.com. Although that both haven't been updated for quite some time. So, and I've just got a new domain. It's bruderach.at. You spell it B-R-U-A-D-A-R-A-C-H dot A-T. Wow. Yeah, it's really... I'd have to see that written, I'd have to see that written down to try and pronounce Thank it. Thank goodness myself. for show notes. <laughs> quite, quite. Mm. No, it's actually Scots Gaelic. It means... Dreamer visionary, and I thought it was such a cool word that I had to get the oh, domain nice. because, well, the old one is my old name, which I don't use anymore. So I had to transition some shape or form, and Bordet wasn't available. That yeah, that that's a name I've barely ever known you as. But um, yeah, so I wanted to 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 have something. I've got all my stuff: the writing I'm doing, the photography all the podcasts, the other books. So it's all there. And from there you can 
go on and find the other stuff. And the Wookie Rookie um, is there as well. Now I've got a redirect from the old website, so it's no, no links are broken, apart from the pictures, which I'm going to re-upload. Mm. I just realised, of course, that um, since we last did this, I've written the music to a, uh, some of the music to a, a comedy web series called Mr. Biffo's Found Footage, uh, written by a very amusing guy who might have won a, a, a kid's BAFTA this very evening. Oh, I have cool. no idea. He was he was at the awards ceremony last I heard. Well, yes. But I, I'm on there doing pastiches of the He-Man theme tune or singing songs about Sir Clive Sinclair. That was good. I enjoyed that one. Oh god, thank you, thank you very much. Oh, a song well, about Elon Musk and what he smells like. I haven't seen them all yet, but I, I watched. This, I enjoyed the Clive Sinclair one. Having written a thank song you. about Clive Sinclair myself. Oh, fantastic! <laughs> I had no idea. I'd like to hear that as well. Whenever I think those two guys can get any weirder, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't write the lyrics. I didn't write the lyrics to the song about how Sir Clive Sinclair invented the Sinclair C6, a vacuum pump that attached to his hips and sucked um, fecal matter up his own bum. But um, that's it. Uh, but I did write the music and sing it. So there you go. Dear listener, and, if you're also going... And the series had an epic sci-fi short movie finale called The Trojan Ass Protocol, which I did a, I did a score for in about a week. Fantastic. But... Um, that's more. Uh, Giacchino's one is still impressive, even though he had a month because it was a full symphonic score, and mine was a sort of cheaper Cynthia John Carpenter style score. But it was still a, not a bad achievement for me and my sofa studio, considering that I have that and an iPad, and that was it. This is Katerina. You can find more about the podcast and the stuff I do at mimer.net that's m-a-i-m-e-r dot net Hi, I do Doctor Who the 11th Hour Podcast at ehpodcast.com with a guy called Joe he and I also do a thing called Joe and Chris Do A Thing that's jcdothing.blogspot.com and on top of that I also talk about Stephen Moffat's old kids show Press Gang with a Canadian chap called Illyrio and that is the last word podcast lastwordpodcast.com I have a joint podcast with Katarina called Every Photo Tells, which you'll find at everyphototells.com. You can find my own website at mickbordet.com and my ongoing sci-fi story thing, Some Other Scotland at, surprisingly enough, someotherscotland.com. This podcast is released under Creative Commons 3.0 by non-commercial, no derivatives, share alike license. So you can go ahead Share it, copy it, send it around, make other people listen to it, but don't make any money from it. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.